things you're going to need to do to survive until you hear the trumpet. Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verse 40, Therefore also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Jesus said it's those that endure to the end that shall be saved, and it's those that overcome that shall be rewarded. Now in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So today, week one of this series is Keep Your Eyes on Jesus. Let's pray. Father, as we open your word today, we're asking that you'll do a supernatural work in our lives, that you'll open the eyes of our understanding, give us wisdom, revelation, insight, and clear understanding of how to apply what we're looking at so that we can be those that overcome, that endure to the end, and are always ready for when the trumpet sounds and the return of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to be focusing today mainly on the Passion Translation of this story. Let's read it now. This is Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3 in the Passion Translation. As for us, we have all of these great witnesses, could be translated martyrs, who encircle us, or clothe us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us. It's good to think of the translation as every arrow tip in us or that got left in us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then we'll be able to run life's marathon race or obstacle course, that's a getting closer to the point, or run the gauntlet of life with passion and determination. For the path has been already marked out before us. We look away from the natural realm and we focus our attention and expectation that he's enough onto Jesus, who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this. Because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits at the right hand of the throne of God. So consider carefully how Jesus faced such intense opposition from sinners who opposed their own souls so that you won't become worn down and cave in under life's pressures. Amen. There's always something that we keep our eye on. One day some friends of mine said, Dave, do you want to come fishing out in Port Phillip Bay? And I said, yes. So we went out in a very small boat, but it was a very choppy day and there was waves everywhere and it was rough and I couldn't cope with it. So they were telling me, keep your eyes on the horizon. It's the only way not to get seasick. So I was sitting there just staring out at the horizon. I wouldn't move my eyes from it and I survived out there for hours while they were fishing, but I didn't go back again. Amen. And then I took some flying lessons. And when I was flying, I learned this. Keep your eyes on the horizon. They've got a very high dashboard in the aeroplane and the horizon cuts through the dashboard. And if you want to make sure, if you can see visual flying, this is, if you want to make sure you're flying straight, level, that's not turning or going down or up, you watch where the horizon cuts through the dashboard. You keep your eyes on the horizon because sometimes when you're flying, 
You can get on an angle like that and you can go round in circles and you don't know it. You're not getting anywhere. And when I was a young boy, my dad taught me how he went through the bush when he was a young boy. When there's too many trees to see very far, he said you line up a tall tree in the distance with a mountain top and you keep that before you. You keep your eyes on that line and you work towards it. He taught us how to put up a fence, how to put in fence posts. And again, you put one here, you put another one down there and line it up with something in the distance. And then you put all the other ones in line with that. And by keeping your eyes on the objective, you can make a straight fence. And Jesus is telling us to keep our eyes on him. No matter what happens, we're in 2024 at the time of filming. So no matter what happens, keep your eyes on Jesus. The best example of this in the Bible, of course, is Peter walking on water. And this is found in Matthew chapter 14, verses 25 to 31. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost! And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But, now but is a very powerful word in the English language. It brings in a huge contrast. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did Peter sink? It wasn't because walking on water was possible, because it's totally impossible. He walked on water because he had his eyes on Jesus. Why did he sink? It just simply says he saw that the wind was boisterous. He wasn't watching Jesus when he was looking at the storm wind and no doubt the waves that it kicked up. Once he took his eyes off Jesus, he began to sink. So I want to encourage you today, keep your eyes on Jesus. And I believe if you give your attention to God's word for this just next half hour, you will see how to keep your eyes on Jesus and keep from sinking because these things are explained in God's word and it will help us stay there. It will help us be happy when we hear the trumpet, not sad. It will help us endure to the end, keep our love burning hot and never fall away. So today we're going to see how to keep your eyes on Jesus so you do not sink. We're going to see, number one, put on your running outfit. Two, run your assigned race without any hindrances. Three, look away from all but Jesus. He is enough. Four, access the power that he's made available so you can imitate his example. And five, trust him to prevent you from becoming worn down and caving in under life's pressure. And six, consider Jesus. Keep him in full focus all the time. 
That point is very important when we remember that Jesus, as well as the Son of God, the Bible describes him as the living Word of God. So number one today is, how do you keep your eyes on Jesus so you do not sink? Number one, put on your running outfit. We're going back to verse 1 now in Hebrews 12 from the Passion Translation, and it says, As for us, we have all of these great witnesses, which could also be translated as martyrs, who encircle us or clothe us like clouds. It's like being clothed with a cloud. This is the running outfit we need on to run this race. We need to be clothed in these stories. We need to put them on like a garment, be familiar with them, have them on, drape them all around us, have these stories in every direction. We're clothed in the stories of the heroes of faith. So these are the ones that it comes out from a few verses before, back in Hebrews 11, 32 to 40. This is context. And it says this, How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all of the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouth of lions. Amen. We need to be able to perform some of these miraculous tasks in the realm that we're in. We need to be able to use the authority of Jesus to take authority over our nations and over the kingdoms we live in. We need to shut the mouth of some of the lions that are speaking such evil. Because remember, the devil walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's roaring through the mouth of some people, and we've got to shut the mouth of the lions. Amen. They quench the flames of fire and escape death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. So it's very important that we look at these stories, the stories of Elisha, Elijah, David, Daniel in the lion's den, Daniel's three friends in the fiery furnace. We've got to clothe ourselves in these stories so that we're ready to run our race with patience. Amen. Number two today, run your assigned race without hindrance. Listen as we read Hebrews 12 and listen to what it says about hindrances to running. As for us, we have all of these great witnesses or martyrs who encircle or clothe us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us, every arrow tip still in us, the sin we so easily fall into. Then we'll be able to run life's marathon race or obstacle course or run the gauntlet with passion and determination for the path has been already marked out for us. So one of the things that can hinder us from running is wounds that have pierced us. Ephesians chapter 4, 32 says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 to 14, Brothers, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, Forgetting those things that are 
behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So holding on to memories. You know, God spoke to me about this first. He said, Dave, let it all go. Forget the past, the good, the bad, the indifferent, the ugly. Just let it all go and focus on what's ahead. And you know, the devil has tested me on that constantly, bringing to remembrance things from the past, but I need to fight him off with this verse. Amen. So we've got to forgive and we've got to forget. We've got to let go of all these things. Dig out the arrows. Now, as an illustration, I was thinking today about the first time I ever got stung by a bee. I didn't know what had happened to me. And I looked down and the bee pulled itself off and flew away, but it left this little round ball with its fiery dart on the end of it in my skin. And not knowing what I should do, I grabbed that thing to pull it out, but I didn't realise that that was a sack of bee venom. And when I grabbed it, it all pumped right into my finger or my hand and, oh, it hurt extra bad when I squeezed that. And so we must remember that the enemy's fiery darts, they may break off, but is the arrowhead still in there? Is there still a hidden wound under the surface that hurts like crazy? These all have to be removed if we're going to run this race without hindrances. Amen. He says, let go of every sin we so easily fall into. In 1 Timothy 1.5, it says, the purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience and genuine faith. You can't have a clear conscience if you're holding on to sin. They used to talk about secret sins, sins that you know about that no one else knows about. It's time to deal with it because you need to run this race keeping your eyes on Jesus till we get to the point of hearing the trumpet and we'll, or we enter the millennium or whatever's going to happen, we've got to be ready all the time and it's going to take everything we've got because we really are running the gauntlet, an obstacle course, and it's a marathon course. Amen? It's not a short course. So you need to have no hindrance, all excess baggage gone and start running. When I was first a Christian, God gave me a vision of a soldier fighting in the trenches and he's running along trying to stay away from the enemy. And on his back, he's got a coloured TV and he's got a fancy car and lots of outfits and clothing and bits and pieces and computers. And they're all strapped on his back. And yet he's trying to fight this battle. And that's what God was showing me. Let it go, Dave. Let it go. If it's a hindrance, let go of it. You need to be free and able to move in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And then the Bible says this in 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 to 10. If we say we have no sin, so remember he's saying let go of every sin, but if you say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So we can't say we've got no sins, but if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins 
and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Another translation puts this passage like this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off every encumbrance and the sin that so easily entangles us and that's run with endurance a race set out for us. Encumbrance, it can mean like a debt that you're paying off, but basically it means a weight. You don't need the extra weight of things hanging around our neck. We've got to get free of this. Amen. And back in the 80s and the 90s, around the world, the Christian teachers and prophets were saying, get out of debt. And Rosanna and I did our best to get out of debt. It's great living debt free. It is good. It's fantastic. And I want to encourage you, do not get encumbranced and weighed down with things that you don't need. And he talks about sin that so easily entangles. Now, Rosanna's brother was a good friend of mine and he was with us in the band. But after we'd finished band work and I started to live by faith, he'd ring me up occasionally because he really wanted to have a furniture truck. That's what he really wanted, a truck. He drove around delivered furniture. He loved it. And I'd go and help him at times because I was living by faith. And if God said, go, I went. And one of the things he taught me was that every time we put furniture in the truck, we would wrap up the fragile or delicate pieces in a packing blanket. It's a big blanket and it may be three or four meters long. And we'd wrap things up in there like a dressing table or a cabinet of drawers of fragile things like mirrors, paintings. They'd be wrapped up in these blankets. But when we were unloading the truck, he made sure that every time we took a blanket off, we took our time to fold it up and put it in a stack. We had to fold them all exactly correctly, put them in a stack near the back door, and then they'd be ready for next time we needed them. But he was so keen on this because you could not afford to get tangled up with your feet in amongst these things if you left them on the floor or the tie-up ropes. And that's what we have to watch out for in life. We have to deal with things, get them sorted out, because something that hangs around can tangle us up in this race. And it'd be very hard to run a race to stay ahead of the devil if you're all tangled up. So let's not do that. Amen. Another great illustration of running without encumbrance is found in the Old Testament where the four leprous men went to the Syrians' camp, but in the night God caused them to hear a sound and they ran and they let go of everything that can hold them back. And this is what it says in 2 Kings chapter 7. I'm going to read verse 7 and 15. Therefore they arose and fled at twilight and left the camp intact, their tents, their horses, their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. And they went after them to the Jordan. And indeed, all the road was full of garments and weapons, which the Syrians had thrown away in their haste. So the messengers returned and told the king. So they were running for their life. And in one sense, we are too. Now, we do not throw away our weapons, but they left everything that would have been of extreme value to them one minute. But when they're running for their life, they just dropped and left it all. They left their horses, their donkeys. They didn't even take time to jump on the horse and ride away. Amen. They left everything and ran as in terror. And so we have to be wise about not letting anything entangle us. 
It's a matter of priorities, what we put our value on, and if we value being right with God and looking forward to the day of His return and hearing the trumpet and we go with Him, then that's what we should focus on, our eyes on Jesus, amen, and run with patience the race that's set before us without any entanglements. Number three, look away from all but Jesus. He's enough. Amen. I know there was a certain psychologist to the celebrities on TV saying, you are enough. And a lot of us sort of want to take that on, but really we should take on the attitude that Jesus is enough and I am dead and my life is hid with Christ in God. He is enough. Let's read this now in Hebrews chapter 12, starting from verse 2 in the Passion Translation. We look away from the natural realm and we focus our attention and expectation that he is enough onto Jesus. Amen. Who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example in this, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. So consider carefully how Jesus faced such intense opposition from sinners who opposed their own souls so that you won't become worn down and cave in under life's pressure. He said, look away from the natural realm. Don't look at the world, the flesh, or the devil. Remember, focus our attention and expectation on Jesus. He's enough. I know someone says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. He doesn't look to the world for advice, like worldly financial counselors or advisors. She doesn't look to the world for advice on romance, on, you know, married at first sight, the bachelor wants a wife, the farmer wants a wife, and all of those things. We look away from their advice and we look to Jesus. Jesus is the Word of God. We need to keep our focus on getting our counsel from the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, and wise Christians and Christian leaders. Amen. Remember, Jesus started our faith and He will perfect it. And the illustration for this is something I absolutely love, and it's the calling of the first disciples. Listen to what happened. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, Andrew his brother, throwing a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, come on, here we go, this is important, follow me and I will make you competent at fishing for men. Jesus said, if you follow me, I'll get you there. He birthed faith within them with his word, and then he promised to finish it, to bring it to maturity, to fulfillment. Amen. And then verse 20 says, immediately they left their nets and followed him. They had no encumbrance, nothing to tangle them up, because you can imagine trying to follow Jesus down the road and carry nets as well, that would always be falling down and tangling them up, and they wouldn't be able to go at the same speed as Jesus. And the same with John and James. Amen? So number three was, look away from 
all but Jesus. This is how to keep your eyes on Jesus. Look away from everything else. It's fairly simple maths, but that's the way it is. Number four, access his power that is available to enable us to imitate his example. The scripture we're looking at is consider carefully how Jesus faced such intense opposition from sinners. This is found in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3 in the Passion Translation. So consider carefully how Jesus faced such intense opposition from sinners who oppose their own soul. I mean, if they're standing against Jesus, they're doing some very bad damage to their own eternity so that you won't become worn down and caving under life's pressure. We have to keep our eyes on Jesus' example and also clothed in those witnesses because they face such extreme opposition at times that says they were sawn in half, ripped up with things. They faced opposition. All kinds of bad things happen, thrown in a fiery furnace, and yet they had the power to overcome so many of them. And Jesus faced amazing opposition. And even when they killed him, he still overcame and is sitting at the right hand of the Father. So I want to encourage you today, consider Keep your mind on, focus on how Jesus faced such opposition from sinners but overcame and was victorious in the long run. And so his strength will be imparted to you as you meditate in the word and meditate in the word of all of those Old Testament martyrs and witnesses who are imparting their life and their faith to you through the word of God. Amen. So focus on Jesus, meditating on his word day and night, putting the word first place and shutting out all else to have the word first place. I'm thinking of the story that Jerry Savelle told about his little girl. The tip of her finger was cut off. He carefully picked it up and took it to the doctor and he threw it in the bin. That's a while ago. They probably didn't have the microsurgery and they wrapped it up, but he wouldn't let anybody come near his house or talk to him. Him and his wife stayed focused on the word, the word, nothing but the word. They wouldn't let anybody speak unbelief around them. They focused on nothing but Jesus and the word of God. His daughter now is on TV doing ministry and she often holds up her hand and said, that finger was cut off at the end. Look at it now, it's perfect. So that after so many weeks when they took the bandage off, the little girl's finger, it was completely restored. And that's what he's talking about. Don't put your eyes on anything but Jesus. Amen. And to succeed in that, you have to watch out for the enemy trying to wear you down. There's only one way not to be worn down. That's to just stay full of the word. Eat the word. Sleep the word. Put it on at night time. Think the word. Preach the word. Pray the word. Say it when you confess the word. Sing the word. Praise God with the word, pray the word as I said, and study the word, analyze it, memorize it, do book studies, do theme studies, study the different personalities in the Bible, stay in the word of God. You can never be bored. If you're bored of the story of David, then go to the story of Esther. Amen. Go to the story of Paul. Go and look in the book of Acts. Read the Gospels. There's non-stop 
entertainment as well as great spiritual nutrition and read the book of Revelation, even if you don't understand it or keep meditating on it, keep going through it because it will feed you and strengthen you. Amen. And when you haven't got the energy to read the Bible, put on a preacher. Listen to some preaching. Listen to the audio Bible. Stay in the Word day and night. No one can do that for you. You need to be in the Word of God. Amen. Eat the Word, sleep the Word, think the Word, say the Word, preach the Word, pray the Word, meditate the Word, study the Word, memorize the Word. You can sing it, shout it, and say it, and pray it. Why? Because the Word of God is God. How do we know this? John chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same as in the beginning with God, all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. That's a word on the end there for the scientists, saying it both ways. But what it's saying is that the Word is creative. That's how the finger could come on that little girl. The Word of God is, along with the Holy Spirit and the Father's heart of love, the creative force that put all of this here. Amen. I want to encourage you, stay in the Word of God and keeping your eyes on Jesus, the living Word, is the only way to prevent yourself from falling. And number six, I'm going to say almost the same thing again, consider Him. In other words, keep Jesus in full focus all the time. Hebrews 12, 1 to 3, verse 3, For consider Him who endured such hostility from sinners against Himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Remember, you become like what you worship. He started your faith with His resolute holiness, leading to His death, because He was determined to obey His Father. He was obedient to the point of death, it says in Philippians chapter 2. He started your faith, He will finish it. He'll do that with His Word, with His inspiring example, with His empowering grace, and with His Spirit of holiness, giving you boldness to enter. Amen. We need that boldness to enter before God. We've got to have a holy boldness to enter the holiest. This is absolutely certain. And to enter that holy place with boldness, we need to know that we are the righteousness of God, that holiness is not only imputed to us, it's imparted to us. Our conscience is cleansed by the blood of Jesus and we go in without a sense of inferiority or unworthiness or disqualification. Amen. We need this. We need to stay in the Word constantly, fixed on Jesus, loving Him, worshipping the Father, loving the Holy Spirit, learning how to walk with Him until we are led by the Spirit, till we walk in the Spirit, till we are imitating the Son of God, just like He imitated His Father, and we can fulfill all righteousness. Amen. And number seven today, how do you keep your eyes on Jesus? Receive salvation and Jesus' new birth, if you haven't already. Now, how do you do this? The Bible says, call on the name of the Lord. It's very simple, isn't it? If you don't know anything else, just yell it out now, Jesus, Lord Jesus. It shall come to pass that whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. To be more specific, this is a good way to call on him according to Scripture. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So you've got to be able to confess and state it. Jesus is my Lord. Praise the Lord. I believe in the Lord. 
Jesus is Lord and follow him. You've also got to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Now, believe is the same as faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You need to read the Bible, listen to preaching, listen to the audio Bible, go through it, listen to preachers who preach the gospel, listen to the gospel message. Jesus died on the cross. He paid for your sin. On the third day, the Father raised him. And when he raised him from the dead, he was the firstborn from the dead. And when Jesus was raised up, you were raised up together with him because he didn't die for himself. He didn't even die as himself. He died for and as you. And the fact that he rose from the dead proves that his death was sufficient to fulfill all justice and all the requirements of the law and for you to receive absolute forgiveness. And it's even more than that. You become a new creation. The you that committed the past mistakes and sins goes completely out of existence. And when Jesus rose, the new creation rose with him. And so what you do is you receive a new birth. And the Bible says if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. All of the old is gone. You put off the old, you put on the new. And it says as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God. And in John chapter 3 it says, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you're born of the Spirit and water. You must be born again. So you turn to the Lord. You acknowledge that you were a sinner. You put off the old, turn from the old. You turn to the Lord. You believe in the Lord. Believe that he rose from the dead. You receive his new birth. Confess he is Lord. And then decide that from this day, you're following him. You're following the voice of Jesus like a sheep follows his shepherd. And you can start this life of following Jesus today simply by saying the prayer that I'm just going to lead in. All you have to do is repeat this prayer after me. It's based on what I've just been talking about. Say it to God with all of your heart. Don't just say it back to me. I can't do anything for you. But if you follow the lead of the prayer, say it to God. He will come into your life. You will be forgiven. The sin will be forgotten. You'll be a new creation. You go right out of the devil's kingdom because you don't exist anymore. And you get born again into God's kingdom as his son. And then you confess Jesus is Lord from now on forever. And you follow him. Amen. So just say this after me. Jesus, you repeat that. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for carrying my sins and paying for them. I turn from my old life now. I receive you today, Jesus. I confess that you are my Lord. I receive your new birth. I believe I'm a new creation right now that I'm a child of God and that Jesus is my Lord and I'm going to follow his voice like a sheep following a good shepherd.
Today, my name's in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm a born-again child of God, and my past is gone, the old me is gone, and I'm a new man or woman today. In Jesus' name. Well, if you said that prayer today to God and you really meant it, I believe you're born again. You've become one of God's family. Your name's in his book. You've been shifted out of the kingdom of darkness. And I encourage you to tell someone about this because it's your own words that will help you believe this and walk fully in it. So you say to someone, I'm born again. I'm a new creation. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, God bless you today. Thanks a lot for listening. My prayer for you is that you'll learn to walk fully with your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith, not sinking like Peter, but following Jesus right through to the trumpet of his return comes and that you'll be ready every second of every day in the meantime. God bless you. Thanks for listening.